At Federal, we have products for every season and every pursuit. Our passionate and dedicated teams design, build, and deliver the world's best American-made ammunition, whether you're hunting, target shooting, or defending yourself and family. Our pride and hard work can be found in every box, ammo can, or bottle of ammunition. For us, it's always in season. It's federal season. Welcome to Federal Ammunition's podcast, It's Federal Season. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Jason Vanderbrink, president of Federal. And today's topic is a very exciting topic for us and uh, one we are extremely honored to have as a guest. We have two-time Olympic skeet gold medalist Vincent Hancock. Uh, everyone who knows competitive shooting knows Vincent is at the pinnacle in that sport, and uh, Vincent shoots our ammunition. And fortunately today, Vincent agreed to come up to Anoka to uh, to see us load the uh, the load the ammo that's heading to Tokyo. So with that, Vincent, welcome to Anoka, and thank you for coming up. Yeah, thank you all for having me. So we want to give our listeners a little background on you. I mean, a lot of people know Vincent Hancock is two time gold champion. But uh, just to give us a little background on on you. Well, I'm 30 years old. I was born in Port Charlotte, Florida, but grew up in a little town called Eatonton, Georgia. Uh, so that's that's my hometown of record. That's what I claim, at least. And I served in the military for about six and a half years. I joined when I was 17 and shot my first two Olympics, so Beijing as well as London. Uh, so I got two medals while I was with the Army. And then I separated from the Army December 21st, 2012 and been shooting professionally ever since, and now live in Texas with my two little girls and my wife, Rebecca. All right. Can you tell the listeners about the selection process that you go through to make, just because you're a two-time Olympian, you still have to make the team. Yes. Uh, I, I wish it was year. a little bit easier process, but uh, it, there, there definitely is a process. And so the way that our selection looks is even before we get selected to the team, we have to earn the right to be able to go to the Olympics as a country. So when we're competing at World Cups and World Championships, uh, typically two years prior and then the year prior of the Olympic Games, there are what's called quota places available. That's what's on the line. And to be able to, to have a spot to go to the Olympics, you have to earn one of those quota places. Typically, it's going to take a medal, at a gold, silver, or a bronze at the World Championships or those World Cups or at other, other championships like uh, CAT Games, the Championships of the Americas or the Pan American Games. And with that, it's, a, it's an opportunity for us to go down, win that right for the U.S., and then once we get those, we can only earn up to two, and one person can only earn one. You can't earn both. Like, I couldn't go down and actually shoot the match, uh, multiple matches, and win multiple quota places. I can only win one, and then somebody else has to, to show up and, and win another one. So once we have those, we start the Olympic selection matches the year prior to the Olympic Games. So in September of 2019, we had our first Olympic selection match, and everybody starts at zero. So just because I was ranked number one in the world, uh, reigning world champion, uh, you name it, I don't get any advantage going into the selection procedure. So you could come out. Uh, anybody in the, in the United States can come out and try out for that team and start the same place that I do. And it's a, it's a challenge. It's really hard to step up there and you know, shoot 250 targets and try to break every single one of them. Uh, so once we get 
through that first selection procedure, then we have another selection match, another 250 targets. So a total of 500 targets over the course of six month period, basically. Um, it'll be March of 2020 is our final Olympic selection match. And whoever's the top two after those two combined matches, that's your Olympic team. So the, the, just to clarify, so out of 500 targets, uh, the top two of those 500 go to the Olympics. Yes. Assuming that the U.S. gets two slots. Yes. And we have thankfully earned both spots to Tokyo. Uh, so we will be sending two male athletes and two women athletes. And you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. It's 500 targets is a lot of targets. So now that we're, we're, you've shot your first 250, the next selection shoot's coming up. Where do you stand uh, so far? So uh, after the first selection, I shot a 245 out of 250 and was actually tied for second place going into the final. And then once we got into the final, which is the top six athletes after the 250, I, I won the final, earned some extra points, which ended up putting me in first place. So I lead the selection procedure uh, going into this next selection match here in March, uh, but I only lead it by one. So it's pretty close. There were some really, really high scores shot this past match. And I've got one target over second, two targets over third, and I think it's four targets over fourth. Uh, it, it's going to be a fun match. It's going to be tight. So I think it's uh, the, the team, our marketing team here, gave us a little perspective on, on how tough it is to win a gold medal or any medal at the Olympics. I think we, we came to the, the quick math of there's 306 events at the, at the Summer Olympics, and each will be awarded a gold medal. The world population is about 7.3 billion people in the world. So for every billion people that divides out, there will be 42 gold medals. So if you do simple math, and I'm a, I'm a simple person, you, know, you, you literally have a better chance of getting struck by lightning than you do earning a gold medal in the Olympics. It's, those are some pretty neat numbers. I never heard that before, but you know, it's, it's an exceptional experience just being able to, to one, be on the team, and then you know, somebody's got to win. And that's, my, that's my, always my thought process is somebody has to win and somebody's got to lose. Well, why can't I win? You know, every time I step out on the range, I expect to win, but that's because I know how much hard work I've put into it, how much time I've dedicated to, to making my craft be as perfect as possible. and. I know that I, it takes a lot of uh, blessing from God to, to me and in my mind to be able to get there in the first place, but then to be able to stand on top of the, of the podium and, and get a gold medal hung around your neck and let alone do it twice. It's been a dream come true for me. And hopefully, lightning can strike three times <laughs> and I can get a, another gold. Exactly. We're all, we're all rooting for you, especially <laughs> that you're shooting our ammunition. So uh, tell us about at age 19 and Beijing Games which was uh, 2008. Tell us, that was your first gold medal. Tell us about that whole experience. That one was really unique because I was still a teenager and I was on top of the world. And honest, to be completely honest with everybody out there, I was a very cocky teenager. I really was. I mean, I thought that, that I was by far the best in the world and that nobody could ever touch me. Um, it was a Inwardly, I believe that everybody needs to be like that. If you're going to be a really strong competitor, you need to be extremely confident in yourself. But at the same time, you also need to understand humility. And through 08, I was expected to win. Uh, I went into the Beijing Olympic Games where everybody was like, okay, Hancock's going to win. Who's going to get second? Uh, of course, other athletes were like, okay, well, I'm going to give him a run for my money. But you know, that's, I had won everything leading up to that. And being able to come out on top there was 
it was a surreal feeling and it, it truly was a dream come true. But at the same time, I had focused on it so much that I don't really think that I appreciated it very much. Uh, it wasn't, um, I didn't really take the time to look at it and say, this was my dream. I accomplished my dream. Uh, I just said, okay, what's next? And that, that cocky attitude was like, okay, well, I, I've won everything else. I've won the Olympics now too. You know, I'm, I'm on top of the world. Nobody can touch me. Well, you know, things change pretty quickly. <laughs> How about uh, 2012, if you could go back to London, which you, were, uh, you repeated your gold there at those games. First to do so uh, as, a, as a gold medalist for the skeet team, for the USA team. What, uh, what can you tell the audience about the London games? So London was, that's kind of the transition to London is what really changed my life, my perspective on everything that I did. Now, in 2009, so a year to the day, actually, after the Beijing Olympics, I won the world championships again. And then 2010, I was, I medaled once, but I made every single final. And I was having a hard time getting to the, to the podium again. Then in 2011, I, my career kind of hit bottom. And I just wasn't shooting good. And I honestly wanted to quit. I didn't want to be out there anymore. You know, so I, I actually called my wife from Slovenia after the worst match of my entire career still to this day and said, you know what, I, I'm, I'm done. I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to be home. Uh, I've got, we had a, a young child at the time and we were expecting another one. So she's like, you know what, just, just stop. Just let's get home. Talk about it, pray about it, figure out where we're gonna where we're gonna go, what we're gonna do. So we did, and, and it took a few months for me to to come to the realization of, okay, this is a culmination of a couple of different things. But one main thing is is that I accomplished my dream and accomplished my goal in '08. I had never set another goal afterwards. I was just going blindly to these different matches because that's what I was supposed to do. That was my job. You know, the army said go here. I went there. That, that's what I did. And through kind of that soul searching, I found, okay, you know, this is my passion. It's what I love to do. I want to go out to the range. I love to shoot. So let's, I'm going to rededicate myself to the shooting sports. I'm going to rededicate myself to my game, my craft, my practice, everything. And I'm going to go back to London. I'm going to take all the World Cups prior as a stepping stone to get back there and win another gold. And that, that's kind of how my year went. I started out my first World Cup of the year. I didn't make the final. The next one, I made the final. The, the next one, I, I finished fourth. Uh, and then I think I ended up winning a medal that year too. I can't remember exactly. That one's kind of a, of a blur. But going into 2012 in London, I remember nobody expected me to win. Nobody. And all these other guys have been shooting really, really good, coming on strong. I'm like, you know what? No, this is, this is time for me to come back and actually show the world that I can do it. And I'm not doing it for anybody else. I'm just doing it for myself and able to shoot the best Olympics of my career so far. Uh, it was the highest score. I shot a 148 out of 150 and one by two targets. So it was, it was fun. But at the same time, I actually stopped a little bit and I appreciated the, not only the opportunity that I had to be there to represent Team USA, but my family, you know, myself, and knowing that I might not be able to ever get back there again. So I needed to enjoy the Olympics, the whole experience, walking in opening ceremonies, getting on the medal, on the medal podium again, and just embracing you know, what, what God gave me. That's uh, very interesting. And 
I mean, when you think about that, I think a lot of athletes, when I think of golf, right, you think of some of the some of the great ones who was at the peak of their game. You can certainly think of Tiger Woods, you know, went through his slump and came back to win the Masters last year. It's no different than uh, than what you did, right? Underdog and then come in to the big dance and, and show them that you still got it. Exactly. So how can you talk about to our listeners, how can you talk about what what is your practice regime, especially right now as you're as it certainly looks like you have a good chance to make in uh, making the team again? How do you go about your practice regime in two phases, making the team, and then once you make the team, um, how do you really get ready for Tokyo? What does that practice look like? So my practice won't change. Uh, what I focused on, what I've started focusing on after Rio in 2016 was making sure that I'm, I'm the best me that I possibly can, and also learning to compartmentalize too. So what I'm doing now is when I'm on the range, I'm, I'm one person. And it's that person that can solely focus on exactly what I need to accomplish to get the desired outcome. And then as soon as I step back off the range, I, I go away from that person. I become my, uh, a husband, a father, and a friend. And what that's allowed me to do is it's allowed me to, to focus more of my energy on the things that I can, can actually do the things that I can have an effect on. So before I was focusing on, I, I have to be this guy 100% of the time if I want to be successful. And it was just wearing me down. Well, now in my lead up to the selection matches, World Cups, World Championships, it's all the exact same. Whenever time I go out to the range, I am a person that's looking for perfection with every single shot, with every single move. And also because I'm a coach, I get to see what my students are doing right, what they're doing wrong. And I kind of implement that in my training as well. I say, okay, I saw that, that you were kind of chopping the gun a little bit. In, in Skeet, we have a lot of mechanics. We have to mount the gun when the target comes out versus starting with the gun pre-mounted on our shoulder. Well, that little bit of chop eats up time. That's less time than I can be on the target and holding it and actually seeing it clearly. So that all those split seconds, they add up. And if I'm not absolutely perfect each time, then I'm having to fight. I'm having to make corrections. Well, the, the fewer corrections you have to make, the better you're going to shoot. And that's kind of where I'm at is I'm focusing all, all of my time and all of my effort on being very mechanically sound. And with that, that's actually kind of turned into my mental game too, honestly, because I know that I, I can only control what I can control. Well, I can't control the weather. I can't control what anybody else is shooting, but I can control how good I mount the gun how well I move in front of the target, and how well I see it. So I'm doing all of those things to the best that I possibly can do in my practice, and it translates over to the match as well. When you talk about any, and Skeet certainly one of them, but I think any, uh, any good, good professional and any athlete of any sport would say there's always a debate, is it, was it muscle memory or is it instinct? Is, is there one over the other? Is it a combination of both? It's a combination of both. It's the same thing with, you know, people try to say, okay, is it talent or is it hard work? Well, hard work outworks talent every day. And, you know, but the, the talent that works hard outworks everything else. And so with muscle memory, what a lot of, to get more into the science of things, it's not just muscle memory. So what it is, is it's your nervous system that is, it guides your muscles through myelin fiber and myelin sheath is the technical term for it. So the more you do something, the, the bigger around the myelin sheath gets around the myelin fiber. And what that does is 
it allows your nervous system to, re- to make your muscles react in a more specific way each time. So the, again, the more you make it a perfect mount and a perfect move, the easier it is for your subconscious to, to be that instinctual move and make the right move and then get to, to get to the desired outcome. So instinct to me is just the, the ability for your nervous system per, to produce the, the muscle movement that it takes to, to get to break that target. How about, how about vision? I mean, we've, I, I've been shooting since I five and you, you just have a lot of vision certainly plays into this. And, and I love sports as well. I mean, Ted Williams could see the stitches on a baseball. How, how is your, how is your vision and does vision play into this? Vision definitely plays into it a lot. Uh, I've always said that if I can see a target, then I can hit it. And so my vision is 2020 now. I used to have 2015. It's gone down a little bit. I still have good vision, yes, but uh, not as good as other people. And some people have to fight that. There's a lot of friends of mine that have to wear glasses or contacts, whatever it may be. But you want uh, you want to be able to see the target as crisp and clear as you possibly can. And that's where also the the lenses that we wear with the different colors and the different manufacturers because they have different clarity levels you know, that plays a big factor too okay and how about how about pressure certainly uh there is a lot of pressure in what you do i mean the whole world is watching and i mean especially someone who's a two-time gold you're expected to win how do you deal with the pressure i think nobody can have any higher expectations than myself uh, again like i said before i expect to win every single time i step on the field and you know, whether i'm having a good day or having a bad day and <sighs> Pressure is, is something that people handle in a different way. Each person has their own technique to try to overcome that. For me, I accept that pressure is there. Now, I'm not going to try to make it go away. What I try to do is I try to use it. Now, because we go into uh, that the adrenaline starts pumping, you kind of kick into that fight or flight mode. Well, I choose to fight. Now, I choose to be in control of, of my emotions and, and control that adrenaline. And what I found is I can actually, it appears to me like everything is kind of slowed down. And when I'm in, in the zone, as a lot of people call it, uh, it looks like the targets are moving half speed. Now, so it's, I can see the rings around the targets. It's very similar to the baseball players saying they can see the stitches on the ball. Well, that's them being in the zone. That's them using the, the adrenaline to kind of slow down time, if you will. and if you learn how to use that and accept it and say, okay, I'm not going to try to fight that. I'm just going to accept that it's there, use it to my benefit. Then when the targets are going slow like that, it's really hard to miss. Honestly, it's not, I just, it's hard to hit. It's just, it's really hard to miss. Just stay out of your own way and let it handle itself. Um, and as you, as, as the team is halfway through it, as we talked about earlier, how is team USA looking heading into Tokyo as in your, in your opinion? Honestly, it's, this is probably the best team that we've ever had. Uh, as far as the skeet side of things goes, and we've got an amazing trap team too that's, that's really capable to, to really turn some heads, but our skeet program has been really strong for years. And in our women, it's very, very conceivable for them to go one-two. Uh, really easy, honestly. And then for us in, in men's skeet, we have a good chance at getting two medals too. That's how strong I believe in our team and how strong our team is, because if you're looking at our selection match scores, you now with first place being a 246 out of 250, second and third place being tied at 245, 
Now that's averaging 122 and a half for third place. That'll get you in pretty much any final around the world. And then you go into a final and you shoot something similar to those scores. You're getting a medal. Um, to that point, wh- who would you view as outside of outside of the U.S. Obviously, who what is there a country that's other dominant country in in the skeet shooting game? In skeet shooting, it's definitely Italy. Uh, Italy can be said for for trap skeet, whatever shooting sport there is. Uh, they're just they're exceptional at what they do. Uh, they've they've got a lot of people to pull from. That's one of the big advantages that they have. Uh, I mean, they've got hundreds of thousands of people across the entire country that shoot, and you know, probably close to a thousand or or fifteen hundred elite athletes that are trying to make their teams. You know, for us, we have hundreds of thousands of sporting clay shooters and American skeet and American trap, but you know, they only have the Olympic disciplines and sporting. So we're they've got a lot bigger pool to actually be able to to choose from. And they push themselves really, really hard. You know, they, they are expected that they're Italians, they're shooting skeet, they better win a medal. And we're starting to get there here in the U.S. But we've got some just exceptional talents. Just need more opportunity to get out there and do it. Yeah. Well, thank you. So uh, if you don't mind, we'll keep you on for the next segment. It's not often, uh, hardly ever, we get a two-time gold medalist uh, in Anoka, Minnesota. I can assure you of that. <laughs> Um, So if you don't mind, we'll uh, come to our next segment, which we call uh, Tech Talk. Hopefully we can talk some more about, uh, about some more subjects after the break. Love to. Meet the industry's widest variety of game changing ammunition. However you shoot and whatever you hunt, fortune favors the prepared and nothing prepares you better than federal premium. It's a gold standard advantage delivered directly from the experts in premium ammunition. Find your federal premium advantage today. Welcome back to It's Federal Season and our technology segment, Tech Talk. All right, next up on federal, uh, It's Federal Season podcast, it's time for our segment that we call uh, Tech Talk. And again, uh, we have Vincent Hancock, two-time gold medal skeet shooter for Team USA here. And Vincent, in 2018, uh, Federal made an effort to become the uh, the official ammunition of Team USA. And it means a lot to us. It means a, a lot to our workforce. That uh, So out of Anoka, Minnesota, our shells can end up in Tokyo, Japan, and hopefully be you, uh, you and someone else on the podium to represent not only the U.S., but also represent Federal. Um, so can you, can you talk about Federal as as uh, federal papers is what we're loading for the Team USA. Um, it's our first time that we've done this uh, in many, many, many years. Just tell us about the shell that we're making, what you like about it. Um, and really, I think you've had experience with federal papers previously, but uh, it's, a, it's a unique load that only, uh, you know, it's, we don't make them all the time. You know, federal papers, it takes uh, several days to make a, a single round. There's lots and lots of process that goes involved. I mean, there's 12 or 13 layers of paper. Each layer's got to be waxed. I mean, it's essentially a very, very custom load. So just tell us about what you like about the federal paper load that we're doing for the Olympic team. And there's really nothing to dislike about it, honestly. I, I, love, I love shooting that shell more than anything I've ever shot before. And I, shot, I got the luxury of being able to shoot these shells when I was in the Army uh, from 06 to 2012. And it's just exceptional. It, it, it kicks less. Uh, 
the paper that, that's in it, it just dampens the recoil ever so slightly to most people if, if they can tell it. But for somebody that shoots a lot like me, I can definitely tell the difference between a paper shell and a plastic shell. And when I first got into these uh, like about a year and a half ago, almost two years ago now, I was I, I took it out to the patterning board and I, I patterned it and there's hardly any flyers. And that's with me not changing chokes. That's with just standard chokes that come in my gun. And then I go out and you know, I shoot targets with them and it's just crushing targets. And I had people coming from fields down like, what are you shooting? Are you shooting full choke with ounce and an eighth? And I'm like, no, here, shoot some of these. <laughs> They're like, oh, well, it's, it's papers. I'm like, yeah, I want to go shoot some of them and, and find out. So they do. And then they're all hooked uh, because, I mean, it, it truly is just by far the best shell I've ever shot. Yeah. Now for our listeners, the paper load for the Olympics is only going to the U.S. Olympic team. For our commercial customers who want to say, I want to shoot the same load as the Olympic team, we came out with though is in our gold medal grand line in our plastic hall. And uh, I, I shot some a couple months ago and it is, it's a 24 gram, which is about seven eighths ounce. Um, it is a fantastic load, and, and I think it's pretty neat that, that Federal Papers, think back since 1922, Federal has made, they're in, they're in Tokyo this year. So it's, it's 98 years it's been in the making, and it's pretty, uh, pretty fun to have that when you think about that, that the U.S. Olympic team is shooting our stuff. So we appreciate you uh, promoting our product as well because it is, we think, it, it, it's just hard to beat. And I, I think everyone comments on the smell of our paper loads. And <laughs> That's the best part of all of it. <laughs> it's it's aromatherapy. Like, it's like Hoppy's number nine, right? There's just <laughs> some few few smells in the shooting industry. It's federal papers and Hoppy's number nine. You just know those smells. So you 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 toured our factory now. I think two or three times now. What do you what do you think of the factory that loads this ammunition? Uh, one, you can see just how well it's run. Uh, the the whole place is immaculate. Uh, all the workers are extremely diligent in what they do, but the factory's huge too. And going in and, and seeing all the different types of, of ammunition that are made between, you know, rifle, pistol ammo, and shotgun ammo, there's, you just kind of wonder like, my goodness, are we really shooting that much ammo out here? But, you know, watching how the paper was made and the, I mean, the shell that I actually shoot, there's a lot of detail that goes into making one of those shells. And that's what gives me the most confidence going into the Olympics is that I know that you know, each one of those shells basically has been hand selected to be, to be perfect. And you, that's what you get with, with the gold medal grand. So it's, uh, I mean, the factory is awesome. The people are awesome up here. Uh, I've enjoyed my experience every time I've come. So, so Vincent brought his two gold medals uh, and went out to the factory today and the team absolutely loves seeing the gold medals. You're very gracious to let people, if they want to hold the gold medals to, to do that, it's, just a neat experience for our workforce. We can't thank you enough for doing that. Oh, I mean, absolutely. It's I wouldn't be doing the things that I do without them, and I appreciate everything that they do. And uh, youth shooting, SCTP, ACIU, ACUI. Um, tell us about how would you how would you recommend if you talk to a junior shooter today, whether it be uh, eight, nine, ten years old? What would you recommend them to if they wanted to follow in your footsteps? How would they go about that? Uh, the the first thing that I tell people is to to just go out and try it, whether that be trap, skeet, five stand, sporting clays, whatever it is, just just go out and try it and have fun with it. And you know, if starting a kid like say when my daughters get, get of age, my daughter's nine, uh, I'm getting her uh, set up with a shotgun here in the next probably six or seven months. 
And when she turns 10, I'm going to start taking her out to the range with me and just having her shoot a few targets. Again, making sure that she's having fun. If somebody's already started shooting targets and they want to get more involved, I say, okay, go out to your local club, start shooting some, some fun leagues. See if you really do like it and get that little bit of a competitive you know, spirit going. Once you deem, okay, this is the sport for me, that's when you start looking at the different teams that are around, whether it be Scholastically Target Program, um, 4-H programs, USAS. There's so many opportunities out there now for youth shooters that just look around in your area. You can find it on, you can Google youth shooting uh, sports programs and things are going to start popping up all over the place. Uh, that's that's kind of where I found my start too. I and mean, I was shooting this classical target program when it really first came out in like 2002, I think, 2003. And uh, I got all my friends involved. You know, we were we were having fun. We were enjoying ourselves. And that's what shooting is all about. It's about having fun. You know, yes, there's a competitive, serious side to it. But if you're not having any fun, then it's not worth it to do it. You have to enjoy what you do. And for kids, it's a great opportunity to, you know, if you're not, even if you are an extremely good athlete, you don't have to be to be good at this. You get out of shooting what you put into it. That's, what I, that's why I love it so much, is that anybody can come out here and be good at the shooting sports and enjoy themselves. So one thing our listeners need to understand, I would think, is you shoot international skeet. Mm-hmm. So if you go to your local gun club and you shoot a round of skeet, it's not international skeet. Now that's American skeet. American skeet. So, so what are the difference? What is the difference between American skeet and the international skeet, which is the Olympic Olympic sport? So, the field is set up the same. You have a high house and a low house, and you have eight stations, and you have a central crossing point. That's about where the similarities stop. Now, we have uh, a different target, uh, so our target's a little bit lower profile than the American skeet target is. All ours is all orange versus the American target has a black rim around the edge, and then it's got an orange dome. Uh, American targets travel about 60 yards, and my targets travel 69 meters. So it's about 75 yards, roughly. Um, They get to start with a gun on their shoulder, and I have to start with a gun down by my hip. When when you call pull for the target, an American skeet, it comes out instantaneously. For us, there's a zero to three second delay. So we don't know when the target's going to come out exactly but it's any time from instant three seconds now, we have a different sequence than american the american skeet does too so like on station one and two for instance american skeet you'll get a high house single low house single and then a pair for international skeet we only get a high house single and then a pair so the, you kind of take away all of the easy targets that you get in american skeet and you move them to the harder stations in international so like on station four In American Skeet, you get two targets there. You get a high house single and a low house single. In International, we have to shoot a high single, low single, then a high pair, so you shoot high low, and then a low pair. So you're shooting six targets on station four, so about 24% of your targets on the hardest station on the field, having to start with a gun down by your hip, not knowing when the target's going to come out exactly, and our target's doing about 15 miles an hour faster. So everything is stacked against you in the international or Olympic discipline, and it's hard. It, it, it's really hard. So has anyone ran in, a, in American ski, you see 400 by 400 shot, almost every shoot has, has one. Have you, has there ever been a 250 shot in Olympic ski? So in organized competition, there's only been one that I know of that I've ever heard, and I shot it back in 2013. Uh, shot 250 out of 250 in Fort Benning, Georgia. 
And outside of that, none of our international competitions, we don't shoot that many. We only shoot 125 targets. And even shooting 125 at 125 doesn't happen very often. I think there's only been three of us that have shot it in the last almost probably seven or eight years since the rules changed. And again, everything is stacked against you. That's hard. And you have to shoot a, essentially a seven-eighths ounce load where you yes. can shoot an ounce and eight load in, in U.S. ski. Yep. All right, Vincent, it's a pleasure to have you here. We thank you for shooting our product. You're a great ambassador to, uh, to Federal. You're a great ambassador to Team USA. And we wish you all of the best in Tokyo. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. All right. So next segment is news and notes uh, for its federal seasons. We'll bring on our head of marketing, Jason Nash. And Jason can tell, uh, tell our listeners what's going on in the news and notes section. There's a time and a place for every season. This is that time, and these are those special places. When preparation gives way to anticipation, rituals, and traditions. Friends, family, forever. This is what you live for. It's time to celebrate the annual tradition like no other. It's federal season. Welcome back to It's Federal Season and the News and Notes segment. All right, welcome back to uh, It's Federal Season and the News and Notes segment. I'm Jason Vanderbrink along with uh, Jason Nash, who is head of our marketing. So, uh, Jason, can you tell our listeners uh, what do we have coming up as far as some events? Well, in this Olympic year, we're really excited to support USA Shooting and uh, Vincent Hancock along with a no- several other shooters on the team. So. Uh, if you want to help support, now we, we've always had a long legacy here at Federal of supporting youth shooting and the future of our sport. It's important to all of us. And uh, th- this two years ago, we added in USA Shooting as one of our important uh, products. So you'll see on the shelf this year, there, there's a lot of point of sale materials, uh, signs that show you that if you buy certain SKUs of gold medal, you're going to give back to USA Shooting and help those shooters um, continue to to carry on the American legacy of of success. And Jason, what do we got coming up for the next podcast? The next podcast is going to be a fun one as well. Uh, we have our great friend, great uh, great hunter, great advocate for our industry. We have David Blanton with uh, Realtree. So I'm sure everyone knows who David is if you watch uh, Realtree uh, on Outdoor Channel. But uh, David will be here, and we're going to be talking turkey with David. So it'll be a very interesting podcast, and we look forward to having David. If you like the It's Federal Season podcast, be sure to let us know by filling out a rating and review on iTunes. And remember, for us, it's always in season. It's Federal Season.